Welcome to the Escapist Corner. This is a podcast where we talk about lifestyle, sport, and entrepreneurship. We hope this can give you some inspiration to your daily life and also make you some good ideas um, based on where you are in your life. We're going to talk to uh, successful businessmen, coaches, sportsmen, athletes, doctors, what have you. Uh, please feel free to uh, look at our homepage, escapistcorner.com. There you find the, the links to Instagram and Facebook. Happy listening! All right, welcome to the Escapist Corner. Today we have a different uh, and new format. Uh, we are doing a Zoom call um, over over Zoom, uh, <laughs> and today we are going to talk with a uh, famous uh, product designer and design expert who has been coached hundreds and hundreds of SX uh, all, all over the world. Uh, I'm happy to welcome Rob Hamlin to the show. Welcome, Rob. Thanks, Rich. Thanks. What an intro. Like, I don't think I've ever had a, a build-up like that before. So thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> happy so, to be here. And it feels like I'm almost with you in your in your little den there under the station. So Yeah. Um, yeah, before this recording, we just had a, a small mail of failure because of uh, one of the staff members uh, pulled the plug for an internet, so we had to reconnect here. Um, anyway, um, Rob, um, who uh, who are you? Where are you from? And um, yeah, tell us tell us a bit about yeah. yourself. So who am I? So I'm a product designer. I've been a product designer for about 20 years, which is pretty scary. I'm British, uh, originally from the UK. And actually, I emigrated from UK in 2009. And since 2009, I guess we've been a little bit transient in the fact that we've lived in the south of France for a number of years. Uh, we've lived in Dubai uh, for a number of years as well. And, um, and now I'm here in Berlin. Actually, I say I'm here. I'm here with my family here in Berlin as well. So, um, yeah, been here for three years. So we've kind of seen a few countries in the last 10 years. And I have to say that, you know, we've moved mostly um, for lifestyle choices or for work in that, in that period of time. So, yeah, now Berlin, new chapter in Berlin. Um, how's your German? Nietzsche good. <laughs> Some might say uh, Scheiser. <laughs> yeah, um, um, it's, yeah, it's hard in Berlin. It, yeah, it is really hard. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm okay in restaurants, uh, but if you put me in the Finanzamt, for example, I'm pretty useless. So, um, yeah, that's that's the level of my Germanness. Yeah, and um, yeah, so you you're from uh, UK and. Uh, so for people that are listening that are uh, not so familiar to what uh, product design or product designer means, because um, uh, maybe you can uh, help those guys out because most people think that you probably just smoke pot and, and, uh, and sit in Illustrator, but uh, there's probably more to it. Yeah. 
No, I mean, yeah, actually, it's a really good question. So, um, a product designer. So, with regards to my career history, I started out in um, visual design and UX. So, uh, for digital products. And in 2003, I uh, made the transition to move to a very small company in the UK that specialized in uh, the design for small screen and mobile. So if you imagine back in 2003, there were well, so many devices back then, but there was definitely a need for it. So with regards to product design and kind of my experience, uh, I would say um, it's with digital products, apps, um, and you know, responsive websites nowadays, if you want to call it that. Uh, anything to do with a product that has an interface and where users need to use it, that's basically where my expertise is. Yeah. And... Um Correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong but this field has, <clears throat> at least in my eyes, just grown exponentially the last years. Uh, or how, how do you see it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly that. For so when I when I first started um, in 2003 at the company I just mentioned, that was the company called Trigenics. There were only five of us working um, in this kind of field at that time for the um for that kind of specific kind of um product there was another company maybe had a similar amount of people as well uh, and but other than that there were probably um you were looking at maybe telcos or like operators that maybe had this kind of speciality so not very many at all like it was a very kind of niche market to kind of get into and i had the kind of um thought that you know mobiles are constantly evolving and you know they need uh new uh uis or user interfaces and i figured that this would be a really good space to get into because as technology also evolves and um, the need to kind of immerse uh users into uh you know really cool interfaces is going to be um you know really required so yeah it was a for me it felt like it was a natural career progression but also back in the day it was really you know it was almost like you know you were designing for products that weren't going to be hitting the market for like three or four years you know back in 2004 i was working on the equivalent of itunes but for you know, like operators in the states so you know to kind of work on something like that that then people are going to use you know several or three or four years down the line was really exciting and also just changing the way in which people actually interact with their devices was also um, you know we were well ahead of our time back in those days yeah so yeah really interesting time and then you know throughout the years like back in 2012 when so when the uk was having some sort of recession um the need for uh designers product designers ux designers information architects um all those people that were responsible for for building kind of digital products you know there was there was a strong need for all of those people and um, so i felt like it, it felt like it's definitely the kind of the right career choice for sure yeah and um also to clarify maybe um i mean um again you correct me if i'm wrong <laughs> anytime here but um you have um uh, i mean if we look at the classical designer where everyone thinks that you're very good at doing some kind of uh, uh, logos or batches or whatever. <clears throat> and uh, uh, you have, um, I, I guess you have some some pretty good skills in that too, like in uh, in the eye of the, like the, the classical uh, art director type. But... Uh, you're more into now is it not more into my like strategic uh thinking and uh, 
actually being uh, uh yeah making strategical decisions for for any kind of uh like it could be a logo development yes but it could also be uh like a process development or yeah yeah it's a really good question actually so um throughout my career i you know i you know i've evolved into being i was actually before i moved to berlin i was creative director uh, for ux for ibm studios and now i'm actually i founded um, like my own uh, company called leap and this is where um, leap is heavily involved in the strategy for how companies innovate and for actually helping companies work more efficiently with each other and actually building not just products but actually building the right products so there's a ton of like strategy that has to kind of go into kind of like enabling companies to be able to do that and to do that really effectively and working with a client at the moment where i'm actually applying um, the process of a sprint but for the actual execution of a product so i'm kind of pulling apart that really kind of like like rugged process to kind of innovate for something in four weeks but mm. actually helping them apply that so that this is an ongoing uh, journey that they're going through you know with their roadmap and kind of with these feature releases within this product uh, but actually helping them kind of work more efficiently with each other as well. So, yeah, there's, um, it's really exciting. It's not just about the products. It's about the kind of enabling of people and to enable people to be more effective within their day-to-day work as well. Yeah. So um, what, what I'm, uh, like from my own experience now and, and watching this and where I see, because uh, one, one thing when you, when you work with the sprints, is that you want to take out the, let's say the the fluffiness from from uh, creativity, uh, and you know, more or less get get to the point faster. And yeah. it doesn't matter if you are on the right point, but simply that you start and that you start trying, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's about just putting something out there rather than having the endless discussion about what a product could be. And yeah. um, you know, some would say getting started is more important than being right. That was an old um, AJ and Smart quote. Um, yeah. It resonates very strongly because I was there for a few years. But yeah, yeah, it's actually just putting in it, and it's not just about building a product. It's building the right product, and this process enables companies to really, um, you know, build on what there are some of what this product could be and then actually test it with real users as well to kind of know that they're going in the right direction and then if they feel that the trajectory that they're on is wrong then they can pivot really quickly and uh, collect the data to help them actually build those products more accurately uh, and to kind of meet the demographics so yeah it's really powerful for sure so uh, what i'm what i've discovered myself is um Going from, uh, let's say, this uh, classical, we say, a logo designer, uh, I see like now the biggest value and the most creative value and the hardest part. What I think is uh, uh, what you are doing is asking the right questions and to be able to actually take up those uh, those things when you work with a client. Now I haven't I haven't. Uh, uh, seen you working live now with some um, with your clients, but uh, just from experience, what I've what I've saw seen you doing this before uh, when you did like some sprints uh, that I've seen, I uh, I just picked it up and I was like, okay, you could actually 
you 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 heard a different problem than the actual user or the, the the we say the client here. He was he was looking this direction. He was talking about that, but you were like, "Oh, wait a minute! Isn't this actually the problem?" Uh, so I think that's um, uh, and, and that's something that I think is like super valuable because we I mean we tried to do this now just once or twice <laughs> uh, to to kind of workshop our, uh, ourselves through some decisions but uh it's just super hard when you're facilitating and then you're like okay so what's the question here what's the <laughs> like do we need to vote about this uh, right yeah yeah i mean it's um that's for me it's kind of like that's a like a regular day being a facilitator and being a product designer all in the same yeah. kind of workshop and it's kind of where I get my jollies as well. And it's, but it's like just listening. The biggest part there that you mentioned was actually just listening to the client is the biggest thing that you can do. And obviously with the product team that I work with and with my experience, we're able to kind of interpret, you know, those needs differently because of the products that we've already made. Uh, it means that we can accelerate, um, you know, whatever, wherever the client is thinking, we, we're able to accelerate them in, in a much more advanced place um, because we've already got that experience, because we already kind of know how certain products are going to perform. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, new products um, come with their own challenges. They do, for sure. And you never really design the same product twice. Um, but it's there's a, the process kind of enables us to kind of like really kind of guide those people through. And also something I also want to mention is the empathy. With, so a typical sprint, it doesn't really factor in the end user until after you've made assumptions and then after you've made a product. But actually, the empathy of an end user is, um, is something that Leap, we do upfront. We try and kind of understand like how that product is going to perform um, by actually talking to real customers uh, who might use that product. And even if that product doesn't exist, we, we try and find a, like a product that already exists that's kind of quite close to just try and find out where um, where their pain points are. And this is kind of going into the roots of design thinking uh, with the empathy and trying to understand, you know, um, where the, the user is really struggling so that we as experts can then dissect that and then kind of build on kind of those opportunities where they're having pain points. So this is something that uh, a leap sprint will, kind of, will actually delve more into the psyche behind the end user more upfront. And um, this is something that we're finding is giving, like combining this with the actual sprint process and having our experts all kind of come together and help guide the user, um, sorry, help guide the client team uh, through this journey of what they, you know, products for their assumptions, what that might be, is really kind of building the full picture really much, much quicker. And it's helping uh, helping these companies kind of understand their users more upfront as well. There was, the, you know, Steve Jobs had that famous quote, you, you know, users or customers, they don't know what they want. They, yeah. they think they know what they want. And there's, there's a lot of truth to that as well. And, you know, no one person within that sprint team is like the, you know, the God almighty of like the solution for this product. And something I always say whenever I go into workshops is that, yeah, I have a lot of experience and I have, a, you know, a lot of ideas of what will and will not work. Mm. But it doesn't make me the expert for what exactly that customer wants or whatever that, that end user actually needs. Mm. And this is why I come full circle, you know, at the end of the sprint, when you've got that data, when you've put that in front of those five, uh, five interviewees, you know, that's where the data is, is why that validates your assumptions that you've made during the week. And hearing the voice of that customer 
you know, from that point, you know, if you're playing their voice back, you know, to, on a on a moment of like whether this feature worked uh, to like the CEO of a company, they can't argue with that. Mm-hmm. But they're now surrounded by the experts that can best guide them to kind of making something that would be something that that, that user or that customer would actually want to use. Uh, I'm thinking. Quite a long answer. Sorry about that. That's quite a long answer. No, no, it's good. Uh, you're, this is the format where where any, anyone can elaborate how much they don't want. Um, <laughs> I, and I'm I'm thinking uh, what's happening too is you're kind of taking out a lot of the guessing from the marketing also that is uh, going to get combined with this product, right? Uh, yeah. So and because uh, I'm thinking I'm thinking a lot of um marketing efforts and, and so on uh or companies they're uh they seem scared to talk to to clients straight like and ask them what do you actually want or uh what do you think about this <laughs> and uh uh i mean there there are so many classical things when it comes to marketing where they're pushing the the totally wrong thing that nobody cares about <laughs> like the product features or whatever it might be uh, and the client is like, I don't care how many, how many layers I can have in this product, like or in in this Photoshop-like product. <laughs> it's like, what can yeah. I do with it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and actually, this you you've touched on the importance of like, you know, who should really be, uh, you know, in a team, uh, for example, when you're running sprints, and you know, some of the most successful sprints I've run have involved um, people from marketing. And there's so much to be said from the value of including the right people at the beginning of a project because, you know, it's not my, I take a lot of my value in not just running sprints for people. Anybody can just run and do a sprint for people, for Mm. for clients or whatever. But I take real pride in actually the success of that product actually going to market and being successful. That's why I'm saying it's not about building a product, it's about building the right product. And a lot of that comes down to the selection and the guidance that we would have actually bringing the client on board as well. And actually making sure that they're from their side, they have the best representatives to kind of drive this product forward. And in an ideal team from their side, you would encompass someone from marketing because it also, you know, it means that they're not arriving late at the party. You know, they're, they're part of critical decisions that need to be made, critical decisions that do impact them. And they're also part of those discussions where they can actually bring a lot of context as well. And you know, with my experience of building products over the years, it's not just down to one particular team that makes the product successful. It's down to everybody who's involved, like doing what they're supposed to be doing, pulling their weight and actually working collaboratively, you know, with everybody else and actually having the open communications within that company to make sure that 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 product and the direction of that product kind of continues to move forward. So, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts, but I would say definitely marketing are a, a critical component to that moving part. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I guess like uh, it just makes all the sense if you can have. Um, I mean, from any creative and endeavor, is it just feels um, it feels better to have all the personalities in the group, right? Yeah. So instead of just having all, all say yay sayers in the group, you also yeah. want to have the grumpy ones. You want to have the. Um, <laughs> You know, um, at least if, if that's, I mean, if that's a problem for your product and for your company, yeah. and you're all already in a, in a in a huge problem if you have people that you can't work with. 
Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. You, yeah, no, it, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, I was going to say that actually is part of that is actually just making sure that you involve them. And, you know, a lot of the uh, the benefits of having those discussions up front means that you do have that clarity and transparency for that team to move forward. And there's a lot of value uh, in just the outcome of even just the discussions. I always used to think that, you know, as a designer, I always used to think that the, the benefits of running a sprint were that, you know, you're creating a prototype and they're able to kind of have something tangible in their hands really, really quickly. But for me, I found really early on, and as someone who was running and facilitating sprints, that actually the, the what I would call goosebump moments were actually when the team actually had that alignment, like right at the very beginning on that Monday, you know, we would have discussions before Monday lunch or at Monday lunchtime where they would just, the client would turn around to me and go, how is this even possible? Like we wouldn't have this much alignment in months. How have you done it in three hours? But they don't actually realize that the, the work that you do in the previous week that's on board everybody is kind of like where all the alignment actually happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, um, speak speak more about that what what's your what's your what comes to mind if i ask you like what's your biggest highlight uh moment in this in this space do you have a particular um, highlight moments as in um products that i've worked on or kind of just people that i've worked with or like all of the <laughs> i mean i have so i've had so many like actually um leap um did it did its first sprint this year um in uh, mexico city <laughs> so to, to actually just travel around and be you know i actually took my wife lisa with me we had like a bit of a vacation there as well so to kind of work on these really cool products for these companies that are really like trying to differentiate themselves from their competitors and be effective in doing so And to see a bit of the world before this coronavirus kind of bullshit kind of happened um, is, you know, for me, I feel really lucky that it will take us, you know, other places around the world when everything relaxes. And uh, so for me, definitely, you know, and that can even resonate back to, you know, I lived in Dubai for two years. Like my work took me to Dubai and we were able to live in that crazy city for a couple of years and experience a completely different culture. Um And, you know, now I, I'm here, I live in Berlin, and when the sun is out, it feels like a holiday anyway. It just doesn't feel like a city that really takes itself too seriously. So for me, just like that's, you know, personally one of the kind of the big wins. Um, the other, um, I would say, kind of big win from doing what I'm doing is just to work with the actual clients that we work with and to kind of help kind of massive brands globally kind of solve very complex digital challenges and you know just to have you know this small team or small company come in from europe um is just insane like it just it, it blows blows your mind kind of like what's kind of the potential what you can do to help people using this process and you know and then i have to mention the people that i've worked with as well you know there's like on you know helping um product teams on the client side get to work with so many talented people and in it what goes to show is that like these people um they are very effective in their day-to-day -day work but they are constantly seeking new tools that would help them um you know bring something to market much faster than anybody else and if that's a combination of a sprint or another workshop or whatever you know it's a it's a it's a very honorable time to kind of be working with those people so yeah it's a 
so I get so many kicks out of all of my kind of day-to-day work. It's really, really cool. Oh, I, I'm going to put you uh, in a different spot. Uh, what about the most awkward? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see how. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm not going to mention it, but I had a sprint and um, there was uh, basically, there was a, a discussion over um, a component of the product And this was with a really senior team and um, they couldn't get their heads around the fact that we just needed something, something tangible just to move forward with really, really quickly. And it, all it was was a bit of copy for this kind of feature of this product, yeah. And um, they were kind of like spinning on it and the decider, he was a really cool guy. You know, he was kind of really able to kind of just go, right, this is what we need, da, 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 da. And no one could really decide on a direction. So I randomly kind of just pulled together a, like a component of the sprint and just said, okay, you all have an idea of how this can be. You all literally do a note and vote on it. So you write down what these three features will be and then you can all vote on them. And um, and it was like, okay, great. I got myself out of a bit of a hole for that one. Everybody's now got three minutes to kind of define what these features are. And of course, everybody voted on their own. <laughs> But again, this is why we have a decider. So the decider was like, okay, great. I, you know, he had a clear kind of direction of where to move forward. And um, it was still kind of like, there was still a lot of anticipation and anxiety over like, okay, like, in, and I had to summarize. I just said, look to the guys, that all we need is a decision to move forward. All we're going to do is put something in front of the user. We just want to get some data. And I had to say, say to them this line, and it was kind of one that got everybody just laughing. And um, I just said to them, you are not going to define the future of your products in a three-minute exercise. And like all these guys are like, oh, well, great. Well, it would just kind of, it takes the pressure out of everything. But seeing them kind of stew on that, like that, that what they felt was immediate pressure. They had to kind of define something. And they felt that it was something that was going to be needed immediately and like literally go to like the app store. Because it's going to define the future. Yeah, it's like, you don't do that in three minutes. Like all we need is something just a direction to move forward in. And then the data that we catch, we get back, will then be enough to kind of show either whether you need this feature and um, whether it's a part of dog shit or whether you really want to run with it. Um, and just, it just means that we can kind of move forward with that. But that, I mean, that was a recent one for me, but um, I, there, there have been previous ones over the years where, where people, you know, have need either, you know, either split companies because you have two co-founders that can't agree on something. Yeah. Uh, you have um, engineers in sprints that are, you know, completely not trusting the process. And, you know, they, you have to just say, look, just trust the process, like trust Jake. And if there's something not right at the end of it, then you know, we can revisit it. So many things like, and I think that's also like just being, having the skill of a facilitator to just not be flustered in those situations and to kind of reassure that client that, Even if something is going drastically wrong, you have to kind of have this facade that, and make them feel that this happens every week. And I think once they trust that you're able to kind of deal with that situation, then they are like, I don't want to sound rude, but like they're putty in your hands. They just need to feel like they're, they're, in, they're being looked after and mm. that their immediate situation is not going to derail anything. So, yeah, there's been some over the, over the, over the few years, but it's been really interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> it's always interesting to hear what, what's uh yeah because sometimes things don't uh run as as you expected and that puts you, uh, you into a new pressure where you have to you know uh and you're gonna always keep that experience so you know like okay next time i come to this kind of point then you already 
you, you know how to move forward. So uh, I think some people are just so scared from problems when actually the problems are the things that are, you know, pushing us forward. Yeah. Um, there's also, yeah, there's also um, points where like, you know, typically in a sprint, if it's something is, if something's going wrong from the client side, it's because something hasn't really been communicated properly. And I think as a facilitator, and this, this goes with any workshop as well, you just reiterate that you know, we're using whiteboards, um, nothing is really kind of set in concrete, and it's just to kind of move forward. And they, it kind of releases some of the tension that's out of the room, like people feel like they are like, committing to something and it's going to be set in stone. And it's not, it's just to kind of move forward. And of course, you can go back and revisit things. And, you know, there's been many discussions with deciders about, you know, before they're choosing a concept or, you know, if you're running a, like a, an LDJ, for example, you know, people feel like they are suddenly committed very much to kind of the direction that that, that workshop is moving on. But of course, it's not. It's just to kind of move forward. And that's the most important thing. Yeah. Um so um, what was I thinking? So you, you, you founded your, your own company now. Um, and um, I mean, that must be very exciting. Uh, I mean, you, you, you've done this kind of step before. Um, I know you, you told me that. Um, but now uh, the situation is definitely different because suddenly we also have Corona thing going on. So how's yeah. that, that be for you? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to jinx it. Like every day, I still, I still need like a thirty-two hour day in order for me to do everything that I need to do. And I guess that's one of the trade-offs of, of establishing a brand and setting a brand up. Um, I obviously would never have chosen to have this kind of year unfold the way that it did. But actually, I kind of, I, I'm a pretty um, optimistic person, and I kind of, I always see the good in, in everything. And I feel that actually, at the moment it's enabled me to kind of really actually take a step back. I had this in my head, I had this trajectory of like, okay, where's lead? What's it going to be doing? How many sprints are we going to be doing? How many clients do I want to have? And mm. I still have that, but it actually what it's taught me is it's just kind of, it's okay to pace things. And it's also like, I'm actually really almost just taking a step back and going, okay, do you know what? This first year is all about just establishing our brand, building content, building products and kind of letting the kind of world know that Leap exists and that this is what we do. And, you know, I'm already kind of building on my reputation anyway, which is I, I've had some really great conversations already. Mm. Um, and I've got some great inroads with some other like incredibly large like global design brands um, with agencies um, because they're also interested in kind of what I'm doing as well. Yeah. So to kind of have that kind of to be on the radar of those companies already is amazing. And I, I, that happened within like the first six weeks of me just like announcing Leap. And um, I'm also, uh, I've got some pretty good clients that have also asked me to kind of be on their approved agency list as well. So to have this already in play is like crazy. I have to kind of almost pinch myself as well. And, you know, my, my first client was Blinkist. And it's like, what a cool first client. Like, honestly, like, it was so cool to be able to kind of help a company like that and here in Berlin as well. Yeah. Um, I have actively um, uh, ongoing work with the healthcare product um, at the moment as well, which is, I have to say, like, they are an, an amazing company. And I was asked to kind of be involved with them. And I nearly 
turned it down because it wasn't really what I was planning on doing for Leap. But actually to kind of provide a strategy, this is what I was saying earlier about the execution kind of you know, sprints, um, to kind of apply that kind of um, perspective to an existing product in a strategy and UX role. Um, it's been really, really great, and you know they've been a really like they have been a really reliable client as well. So they're they're almost um, you know with the, the the first couple of months that I had um, and this client, hmm. I you know I, I haven't really had to worry at all about uh, runway, and I can just take each month as it comes, and you know I have Balan and he and I are just literally building something um, that's going to kind of really hopefully rock on for everybody in the world of product design so yeah i feel super actually super happy and you know the coronavirus thing has kind of excuse me really kind of derailed you know our kind of our working space like i balance and i've only ever worked remotely together um but i feel like i've known him for years already we have a lot of calls every day yeah. and you know Pre-corona, the plan was to have him here in, in Berlin and we would have co-working space and we would start to kind of network out within Berlin as well yeah. and kind of enjoy working with each other. So I would say that's kind of been the biggest disruptor for me, that it just means that we we have to kind of be, you know, in isolation, but still kind of coordinating and planning and strategizing kind of the the, the role of Leap. So uh, what's the what's the what's the background? behind the, the name i mean <laughs> on, on, on your instagram handle is be the leap right yeah exactly um so yeah um i wanted a call to action that would be kind of really um like provocative of, of what leap actually stands for so any of our um, email addresses will have our name and then be the leap so as in be the leap within your company to kind of make that difference and leap actually was um it was really really interesting because i, I I came up with so many names. I really wanted Leap to be um, a brand. There goes a sticker there. Look. I really wanted um, the brand to be a cool enough brand. And my kind of my calibration was I would want to wear it on a cap or something. I wanted it to look so cool that I could wear it on a cap. Yeah. And for, for months and months, I was kind of spinning on names. We had like some really good names, and I would always spin them off with Lisa. And like you know, we would kind of like have it, discussions about like, oh yeah, what about this or what about this and then I would put them in front of the kids and they would go, ah, oh, like, yeah, that's a really cool name or, yeah, whatever. And um, the kind of the prerequisite for the name was that um, we were, I think we were cycling across town and um, we just started using jump bikes. And I just said to Lisa, I love, I love how jump is just such a, like, it's such a motivating kind of name to just, you know, jump on a bike. And, yeah. and actually um, it was Lisa that said, well, what about leap? And I was like, Actually, that's quite cool. I actually quite like it. But there was something about it that kind of, for me, it wasn't like it, it needed something or it needed validation. But so it was kind of, it rose very quickly to the top of the, um, to the, top of the list. And, um, and then I, when I was in London, I, I visited uh, an old uh, client of mine and we had this conversation. I, I went to see his new office. He was in a WeWork space and it was like a really inspirational place. And we had this, we ended up having like this whole morning together. He's a really, like he's like a CEO basically of this product now. And um, we ended up having this whole morning together and we were kind of like offloading each other. Like he was telling me what his biggest problems were and I was kind of telling him about Leap and my plans for it. And actually it was on the way out, we were just kind of, we bumped into a couple of people that we knew 
And um, and basically this guy, he just introduced, he goes, oh yeah, like, you know, you met Rob, you know, Rob's now da 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 And he basically said a couple of sentences with the word leap in it on every sentence. And uh, <laughs> that was for me, it was like, that was that aha moment. And I just said to him, I was like, you just said like my potential company name twice in two sentences describing like getting ahead of your competitor or, you know, getting an advantage or whatever. I can't even remember the sentences now. And and I just said to him, I said, you've just said the word. And I said, you, can you remember what that word is? Or do you know what that word is? And he just went, was it leap? And I went, yeah. And he goes, and he literally just high five, fist bumped me and he goes, fucking yeah. rock on. He goes, that's really cool. <laughs> so for me, that was a validation that leap was the kind of the right, because, you know, existing or like, you know, past clients, they were kind of saying it in the, exactly the right, you know, um, frame set that I wanted it to be applied in. So yeah. validation done. And, you know, when it came to hire, uh, to actually name a, a company now, like getting leap.com, you know, you'd have to be basically a millionaire to kind of buy that. Plus mm-hmm. as well, well, there's a lot of other companies called Leap as well. And um, I would just wanted to kind of make sure that they were differentiated a little bit. So officially the company name would be Be The Leap, uh, but unofficially it's kind of Leap, but it's kind of Leap yeah. and then Be The Leap. But um, we're kind of pre-company at the moment. I have to say it's not really an official company. Um, I'm obviously being very strategic in kind of obviously the whole Corona stuff. And, you know, at the moment I, you know, I'm just kind of taking this year to kind of really just see what the potential is for it. Um, but it will basically perform and operate like a company. Um, and, you know, I have a team of people uh, globally who are um, ready to kind of work with me depending on what the challenge is. And it's basically, this is, is kind of like the, the leaps assurance that you would be hiring a really elite team of people to kind of really come in and do some really complex problem solving. Uh, and that's basically you know, what leap stands for. So I would be happy if, you know, people, when people think of leap, we're basically like an expert team that would go in to really help people at a critical time um, and give them like the best possible product that they could ever hope for. Yeah. And what's the, so what, what's the, the big leap for leap? What's the, what's the vision? The big leap for leap is that, um, that yeah, obviously just survive the whole COVID thing. I, I think if we can survive the COVID stuff, um, I think we'll be able to survive anything. Um, Again, as well, I think it will be a leveler for the playing field. I think there'll be lots of companies that are offering sprints that maybe, you know, are probably overstretched right now with regards to resources and, you know, space. And, um, you know, it's a really, it's a horrible thing. But like, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of companies that really do struggle to stay. Um, And it's really sad. And, um, you know, I'm just equally just trying to make sure that, you know, Balan and I can keep going and that Leap can be everything that I want it to be. And, you know, having done the brand sprint last week, um, you know, we've got a really, we've got some really aggressive plans and strategies for for being here in two, five, you know, and longer as well. And we've had some really amazing com- uh, conversations with like big companies as well that are very keen to kind of watch what we do. Um, so there's definitely some motivation there to kind of really build build on something. But I I don't want to build a company that's going to be like 80 people. I just want to build something that people really appreciate. Is something mm. that is really good at what it does, and it's about and almost like you know if people feel like they really kind of feel lucky when they get a leap engagement, so that we can really go in and help them. So for me, that's kind of like where I want leap to be. 
So uh, have you designed uh, or have you defined any, um, like a, how do you say, dream client? Like what would that that client <laughs> be? <laughs> I, I, I actually I have a I have a list of like clients that I would love to work for uh, or work with I should say um, but um, yeah for me it's just um, at the moment um, most of the clients tend to be kind of fintech and healthcare so I'm not complaining like if that's the market sector that's great I'm also having conversations with a really really cool client uh, in New York and um, they are such a, a randomly different um, kind of genre of client. Um, it's it's going to be really, I'm, I, and I had conversations with them before I started working with Leap. And um, for me, it's like, this is kind of like, for me, the ongoing kind of thing that I'll only be happy once we've actually worked with them. They are like, it will be an amazingly creative opportunity, I have to say. So looking forward to that one. Yeah, no, uh, it's going to be exciting to see how, how everything develops uh, i i think there's there there are strengths in being um small and decentralized in one sense that uh, we can yeah. see that in the fitness space that um we as like small uh fitness uh, business owners we we can change our direction pretty fast and we can um yeah you know reinvent ourselves quite fast and put our put new hats on ourselves to do new stuff um, in comparison with uh, like a lot of the franchise uh, companies out there they are they are struggling and I I think many of them will probably need to close their doors because their model is uh, will be broken now and they are like their their staff they don't have anything to do um, there they yeah they basically uh can't retain any of their clients so yeah. Uh, yeah it's it's a super bad situation for them uh so sometimes being like a big uh is which for many people might be like security to be in a big company for example it might not be the most yeah. secure place at the moment and yeah. uh I think that's in uh, this uh, book by Nassim, Nassim Taleb. Uh, I'm blanking on his surname here. <laughs> but, uh, is it the anti-fragile one? Is that yeah, the one? Ex yeah, exactly. Yeah, you bought that one. <laughs> yeah, I did. That was your recommendation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in that book, he basically also says, like, yeah, the bigger you are the the and uh, more centralized and everything, the the harder you're going to fall and yeah and, um but it's not going to be as often but it's going to just be much more painful so uh he has some good examples there uh i don't know if i would agree on like 100 percent or everything but there's something in it like that you can be more versatile you can you know go and you can just change directions on the spot without having like huge overhead losses and stuff like that so um but i have to say like i you know i as much as you wanted me on this podcast i was i find you very inspirational as well in kind of what you've done um with your you know with your crossfit place because it's 
it's like the brand as well. People are so dialed into you and your brand. And like, even if people don't have a Richard kind of doing the CrossFit kind of, um, you know, tuition with them, it's somebody else. Like Mark, for example, or Gerardo. Like, it's like, it's the people that people, that that's why people want to do CrossFit with you guys. And, you know, I think that's a really important thing. And I, that really resonated with me as well with regards to kind of like when, you know, when I was, establishing what leap is and what i wanted it to be like you are i remember we had this chat via um, instagram a couple of weeks ago about you know the the fact that you have this really cool brand and that you are able to kind of pivot and i think it's down to the people it has to be down to the people and i think there's a lot of um there's a lot of there's a lot don't take don't ever take that for granted because i think that's kind of going to be something that will kind of you know see you through and you know if for the rest of the year you know we're not allowed to do in person you know events you know i'm pretty sure that your team will kind of motivate all those people that were dedicated to go and get up super early and go to your cross your super nuts kind of crossfit <laughs> classes well, you know, that will motivate them in their own home as well. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. You know, it's some in, I always said that I would never do CrossFit if I didn't have someone like you to kind of really push me because it's such a, um, it's such a hard sport. You, you get, and as human nature, you get very kind of complacent with just doing kind of like, you know, what you did yesterday or what you did the day before. Yeah. You need to be constantly pushed. And, you know, you guys have a really a good knack for being really firm, but also super fair about how you do that. So yeah, it's a lot of admiration for for what you've done there as well with Escapist. Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you very much for those uh, uh, humbling uh, humbling words. I um, and yeah, I'm I'm super super grateful for for the for the people and everything. And I think uh, like right now our benefit is we uh, from last week we were allowed to uh, start uh, you know. Uh, training people out, outdoors so yes. basically we're just <laughs> uh, this morning like 7 30 when i came i had we we already had people training here outdoors that's great, uh, isn't it? yeah that's awesome and we had people training here all day uh until uh, noon today so it's been it's been uh, really awesome and um yeah, and now when we kind of pivoted and started with this, uh, with the online coaching thing, um, uh, it's, it might it sounds a bit like a plug when I'm talking about it, but it's uh, it is uh, it's not meant to be. It's more me reflecting because we we are actually reaching more people now. So I today I had a talk to a guy that uh, that we were coaching here three years ago. But he doesn't cool. live in Berlin anymore. But he was like, "Oh, you're you're online now. Okay, <laughs> I'm I'm in." So that's uh, cool. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, for your business model, that's great because you can reach far more people that way as well. This is now when it really starts to make a difference. What kind of brand you have, and uh, that you, uh, how you communicate, and um, yeah. And it's it's not about conquering the world either. So it's it's more about like finding the ones that that uh, you can help. And uh, I, and I think that's the thing. Same thing for you. You want to be working with the companies that you can help, and and not the guys that you know just want to uh, I don't know <laughs> not have help. 
So build any um, product. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was uh, great catching up with you, uh, Rob. We uh, yeah, we, likewise. We definitely need to uh, catch up for uh, like a live latte someday. <laughs> Um, yeah, we do. Yeah, I look forward to that very much. Yeah, and um, yeah, we both have uh, uh, second calls to go into, but uh, it's <laughs> yeah. at least super nice to uh, you know be able to do this and uh, and talk to talk to people uh, you know over this. It's not super great. Uh, maybe this is a product that we can work on. How can we make these video calls a bit more, you know, natural? Because all the time when you're talking, somebody starts talking, it just gets like a big mess. Uh, exactly, exactly. And also, just thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast as well. I know that you've um, you've spoken about it for a long, long time. So, again, feel very humbled to be uh, one of your guests as well. So, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, definitely. I, 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 I like to see this as. Uh, as an experiment and just the best excuse to uh, be able to have a coffee with someone or uh, at least <laughs> virtually. Yeah. <laughs> My coffee cup has gone. Lisa took it away. But I do have a, I do have a very healthy egg sandwich waiting for me afterwards. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, take care of yourself, Rob. We, we just speak in, in a couple of, couple of days uh, and hopefully not too long. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Stay well as well, Richard. Yeah. Take care. Yeah. All the best. Bye. <laughs> Bye.